Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Matt Harmon and with me is a very special guest, Yahoo Sports' own Therese Paler of the Yahoo NFL podcast. Therese, my friend, how are you doing, man? I'm good, Matt. How are you doing, man? I'm good. It's 9 a.m. here on the West Coast. Back uh, with my beautiful view here in El Segundo with my coffee in one hand and my um, smoothie here in the other. So I'm li- I'm living, man. I'm I'm doing good. Big fan of El Segundo. You got Highway One right there. Oh yeah. Go up or down the coast. Malibu, not that far away. Oh, man. Nice. Yeah, like when people, you know, I just went back east to visit some family, and I feel like my family hasn't really, you know, especially my, uh, let's just say my rather uh, more southern family from North Carolina, my dad's side, they haven't (laughs) really adjusted, like, expectations to where I'm living now in El Segundo versus, like, when I was living in, I don't know, Culver City or West L.A. Like, they still ask me about Mm -hmm. as if I'm living in, like, this city, El Segundo is kind of like LA's hidden gem. It is my is the way I look it at is. it. Yeah, it's it's a great. No traffic. No traffic. But by, by the way, when I visited Los Angeles for the first time, I stayed in a hotel in El Segundo, and like I was mentally prepared for traffic to be poor because that's all you hear about the highways. And I was there for like a whole week. And we didn't have any issues with the traffic at all. Oh, yeah. I'm like, ah, this L.A. traffic's overrated. <laughs> ah, this, this is, what are you talking about? Beat it. Because you can just take Highway 1 up and down wherever you want to go. Then I made the mistake of staying out. I think it was Baldwin Park. Oh, yeah. Baldwin City. Baldwin Hills, And that yeah. one's way, like, you got to take the highways there. <laughs> and that's when I learned about L.A. traffic. So, good spot you're in. Yeah, man. well, next time when the world is all normal, you know, or as normal-ish as we'll ever get again, Therese, hopefully you can come down here, El Segundo, really show you the new popping spots that are around here. But if there's one thing I definitely know about L.A., it's that people who are not from L.A. hate when you talk about L.A. on podcasts. So we'll, <laughs> we'll skip the rest of the El Segundo tour, yeah. and we'll jump right into kind of our news section here before we jump into the meat of the show. This isn't really news, Therese, but I feel like in this weird offseason that we're in, this is about as close to, you know, sort of news bites as we're going to get. I was reading an article in the Boston Herald the other day about, you know, Cam Newton still climbing in the Patriots quarterback competition. You know, Jared Stidham is still working pretty well ahead of him or he's, you know, certain parts of it look like it's favoring Stidham. But the tenor around the team right now appears to be that Cam Newton's energy is starting to affect infect the entire Patriots organization. And I think that's interesting as, you know, someone that's followed the Panthers for a long time. It's really it really like can't 
it can't not become the Cam Newton show. You know, when when I look at a team that that has him on board, I was just kind of wondering because I still am not sure how I feel about this team. Where are you at right now with the Cam Newton experience and the Patriots as a whole? So here's where I'm at. Everyone you talk to about Cam Newton, they always mention, hey, this guy's got like a real je ne sais quoi about him, right? Like there's a Pied Piper effect with him in the sense that he can overtake a room, which is why you probably don't want to put him. If you had like a young quarterback you were trying to develop, this is probably like not the right guy to kind of put with him if you've invested a lot of assets in that guy and you're committed to making him work just because he's just going to win over his teammates, um, especially his offensive teammates. So he's just got a, he's got a way about him and he's got a real like physical kind of like um, presence, right? Presence, six, yeah. six, 250, 260. Like people are going to notice that. And everyone who talks about him, they're like, man, Cam is that dude. So it's only a matter of time, in my opinion. I think the Patriots have kind of been wanting to get a little more creative with their offense oh, yeah. for a while because I did hear that they were interested in Lamar Jackson. And if they've had that kind of foresight, that means that they see where football is going. So look, at, it's going to be very difficult, in my opinion, for Cam Newton not to win that job. And you know what, Matt? You know, I, I've said this before a few times. I'll say it on your show. You know, if I were a gambling man, I'd be putting a little money on Cam Newton as comeback player of the year. I really would. Yeah, no, I mean, he's got to be one of the early favorites for the award. And I think about this, too, like before all the opt outs, when the Patriots had, you know, a ton of defensive. So and they still have like a very good secondary. And obviously, Bill Belichick will make things happen with his crew there on the defensive side of the football. Like, but still, I, I would have thought that they were more. You know, they were going to be more of a defensive focused team. Now, I'm not sure that they might. They probably will. I would say they probably won't be like one of the five best defenses in football to just ride that crew, you know, to to the promised land or whatever. I think more is going to end up on Cam's shoulder than they would have thought about before all those opt outs. And now it's just what comes together around him. Is Nikhil Harry going to take that next step? Is Damian Damian Harris is a guy that I've started to draft a lot in the late rounds. You know, he might be a total stone nothing like he was last year but with the michelle injury news and everything like that i think it's just pretty much gonna it is gonna end up being the cam show like i said and you know that's gonna make him one of the best fantasy quarterbacks because of his ability to run but i do think this is more and more trending towards the cam newton show than the patriots may have originally thought yeah i definitely can see that now I think the Patriots still have a good chance to win double-digit games. Like, I'm not out on the Patriots as a threat in the AFC East. I still think the defense is going to be good. Now, they're going to lo- they're going to lose. They're going to hurt not having Dante Hightower. It's going to hurt them not having Patrick Chung. But they drafted basically all defense this year, and uh, the pieces they drafted fit really well within their scheme. So, and they also made a few free agent um, signings that I really liked, including Adrian Phillips. So. You know, I think people can count out the Patriots as they like. Do that at your own behalf. <laughs> I think their defense is going to be good again. And offensively, you know, if they have taken this move toward a more modern offense in the sense of, you know, more, whether it's more zone read or more creativity with the quarterback and running, yeah, I, I think they could be more dynamic offensively. You know, the receivers, in my opinion, I don't think they're going to be bad. Like, Nikhil Harry is a guy who's a red zone weapon. And receivers often take a jump from year one to year two. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy that I saw personally do some really good things in OTAs last year. And I think, you know, he's a guy that I could see Cam bonding with quickly because he is a physical threat and he does carry himself kind of like an alpha dog. You know, Muhammad Sanu, 
now have a full off season with the team. I think that matters. Yeah. I'm not out on him being somebody who can contribute. And also Julian Edelman in the slot and basically doing the matchup things he's been doing for a long time in that offense. You add that to an offensive line, I think it'd be better if they can stay healthy. I'm not out on the Patriots winning 10 games. And I, I could totally see this being the Cam Newton show. And personally, you know, if I were in a fantasy draft, I can get him for the right price. I have no hesitation taking him. Yeah, I mean, I think they're total right now is nine and a half so you would definitely be taking the over yep. on that one with new england I would. and it's worth noting too you know there's a lot of people that are concerned about the cam uh julian edelman relationship you know after you know not, not having a mind meld with each other like brady and edelman had for so long but cam newton statistically Correct. got a lot better at throwing into the slot when he actually had some slot receivers to throw to there in carolina <laughs> right all right let's jump off into our main point of this show and my next shows uh over the couple of next couple of weeks here i write an in-season column called care don't care it's my sunday night recap uh every week in the yes. nfl it's the you know five things i care about the five things i don't care about from the slate of games on sunday we're gonna kind of take that and do it a little bit like a division preview here i'm gonna have my guest in this case Therese uh, talk about three teams with me and I'm going to tell you the one thing that I don't care about when projecting this team and Therese is either going to talk me into caring about it or kind of uh, tell me I'm right basically is the way this is going to go so we're going to start off Therese with nice. the team you are the closest to the team that you covered for a long time as a pro the Kansas City Chiefs and look, the Chiefs are one of the best offenses in the NFL. They have uh, quarterback Jesus behind center there in Patrick Mahomes. The, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's all popping there for close. the Chiefs, obviously coming off a Super Bowl win. But the one thing I don't care about when looking at this team and projecting them for fantasy this year is I find myself not really caring about the ancillary pieces in this passing game, which is mm, typically mm -hmm. a weird thing to say because you kind of mm -hmm. feel like any pass catcher that's tethered to Patrick Mahomes, the way the same way we used to say about any pass catcher tethered to Manning, Brady, Rogers, these guys are going to be fantasy hits. But I find myself looking at it like I would just want Travis Kelsey. I want Tyree kill. Yes. I want CEH. Yes. And the rest of the crew, yep. I don't really like Man, I don't really care yeah. that much about. Yeah, because it's just going to be so inconsistent week to week. I was actually going to say that. Absolutely. I agree with that. You're definitely going to want Tyreek. You're definitely going to want going to want Patrick. You're definitely going to want Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And look, the other guys are productive. It's just that you don't know when they're going to hit like, yeah. at all. It's going to be really hit and miss. Like somebody like Sammy Watkins could have two or three touchdowns in a game and then uh, you know, the next two or three weeks, it's like seven catches total. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that hurts you in fantasy. McCole Hartman's a really talented player. In fact, he here's what I will say. He's going to be better this year than last year. Sure. He's got better with side adjustments as the year went on. And if I can get Hardman in the right round or for the right price, I would love to have him on the bench because both Tyreek and Sammy Watkins have had injury issues recently, at least last year. And, you know, Watkins is good to miss a few games every year. Um, and Hill, you know, he's a little guy. Really, really yeah. fast, but he's a little guy. So <laughs> Right. It, it, and, and they're going to use a, certain, a decent amount of 11 personnel always. So Hartman's going to play. And I, I do like him as an ancillary piece. So, I, I mean, I agree with you, but Hartman is a guy that I'd actually target as somebody that could actually end up getting by the end of the year. I mean, 
he got 500 snaps last year. Right. So he's somebody that I could actually see duplicating that because of how much they run 11 and also because of the looming injury threat with Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I think if you do, if you do get him for that, the right at the right ADP in the right round, like you said, I think that that's a, a good way to go because there is an injury upside there. I think though, if everybody stays healthy, you're probably never going to feel comfortable throwing out Hardman in your traditional 12 team. Oh no. Starting line. No, 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 no. And I'm, I'm actually think I'm in like some pretty deep leagues, like 20 team leagues. So, um, yeah. but, but I, I hear you and I get that, but I, I, I do like the upside of him. Plus he's a good returner, like a really good returner, kick and punt return. So you might get the score you know, spare score here or there. But um, outside of those, outside of, outside of that guy, um, you know, Demarcus Robinson got a lot of snaps last year, 832. But the the main pieces are the main pieces, and those are the ones you should probably stick with. Yeah, right now I've got Tyreek Hill projected for 21% of the targets, Travis Kelsey for 24, and then Edwards Hilaire for 14%. That just doesn't leave very much for anyone else. So right now I've got, mm-hmm. you know, Watkins at 600 yards, Nicole Hardman projected for, you know, 38 catches, just not if again, in a perfect situation, nothing really usable there. While we are talking about chiefs and like the mainstay pieces, I personally, I definitely consider Clyde Edwards Hilaire, like one of those mainstays now up there with Hill and Kelsey, even though we haven't seen him yet. Where are you at with Clyde Edwards Hilaire in terms of what you expect the workload to be? Are we going to be seeing a bunch of DeAndre Washington, Darwin Thompson mixed in there, or is it mostly the rookies show? Well, look, they haven't really messed around and getting him first team reps. So he, he's going to play. He's going to play a lot. We know that she's like to run shotgun and he mainly ran out of shotgun last year. Didn't pass block a ton. Willing, not great at it, but he's saying all the right things now as far as like that being half his job. And there's also this. They also might not ask him to do it a ton. Right. All right? Yeah. Like, he really shined at, I mean, he really shined at Louisiana State running routes out of the backfield. He was uncoverable on option routes and angle routes. And there's a real, real, real hole that can be exploited there. Not just running the ball because the Chiefs face a ton of light boxes. If he faces a light box, this guy's so elusive. Like he's going to, you know, have Kareem Hunt type production. But also just, hey, look, when he runs routes in the backfield, what are you going to cover? You're going to have a man over the top to protect against Tyreek Hill. And you're probably going to devote and sag some guys toward Kelsey. You don't have time to be devoting extra resources to a running back running an option route or running a flare route or whatever. So I think he's going to catch a lot of footballs. I think he's going to be very dangerous. That's why they targeted him in the first round, because this is something else that can unlock this offense and make it basically unstoppable when everyone's healthy. So I'm I'm in on Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And by the way, man, like Andy Reid's not big on hyperbole. He hates yeah. comparing players. Believe me, I covered him for seven years. You know, when you hear him and, and Brett Veach talk about Brian Westbrook, I can't really remember a whole lot of times he's compared a current player to like a great one from the past. So, oh yeah, um, that's a huge, huge sign because Andy don't like to make comparisons at all. I remember Therese, uh I, I talk about this story a lot with Patrick Mahomes. I was watching his playoff game against the Colts his rookie year with uh, my buddy Graham Barfield, used to write for NFL.com. He's a part of the startup his site. Second year, right? Yeah, his first year as a starter. Yeah, yeah. first year as a starter. Right, right, correct. Graham and I are watching this game and, you know, Graham says to me like, man, when this guy starts to take the layups, 
he's going to be it's it's he's going to be even better. And this is coming off a year when he's thrown 50 touchdowns. And I think right. last year he started to take those layups with his legs, you know, instead of like forcing the ball downfield when, you know, nothing's there rocking in it deep on on third down. <laughs> he started to take those layups yeah. with his legs in the playoffs. That was one step. Now he's got he's got Edwards Hilaire like to take those layups out of the backfield like, oh, I can dump it off to this guy. He could pick me up a cheap eight nine yards get a first down whatever people don't understand like how productive he was picking up first downs with his legs late last year Mm -hmm. i I think and so when it comes to first round or i'm never taking a quarterback early in fantasy most likely but if i did i think i would take mahomes over jackson despite the 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 year that Lamar had last year. Yeah, it's kind of hard to justify doing it in a 12-team league, especially in such a passing league, you know? Like, there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks that are going to put up numbers for you this year. But, um, you know, Lamar and Patrick, you know, both those guys are primed to have huge years. I I do think Mahomes kind of has that killer gene in him a little bit where he remembers slights. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) I I mean, we kind of see that. And I know that people had some questions about that earlier in his career, but like now after what he did against the bears, counting the 10 pointing out where he got drafted <laughs> and his, his little note emoji after the NFL top 100 thing, like he kind of has that. So an F you I'm number one, top 100 seasons, totally in play. I mean, you have, I feel like to be the best and to me, he's the best player in football right now. You have to have that, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I think he gets that. And one other thing he has going for him as far as like, you know, trying to build a Tom Brady like legacy is that, and this is really, really important. Like, like Brady, he won his first title really, really early in his career. And I think people underestimate how big of like a mental effect that can have on a player's trajectory when you don't win one early. And then people start saying, oh, can this guy win the big one? It becomes like a mental boulder and it becomes very difficult for for and it's something that can affect them. Like we saw with Steve Young, we saw with John Elway and those guys eventually won because they were great players. But it wasn't but it was it became a thing. Yeah. And honestly, like I was just rewatching the Super Bowl, Matt, like Patrick didn't play very well mm-hmm. for certain points of the game. And like I could have seen like you could already get ready to hear people say, I don't know, can Mahomes win the big one? Like you could already hear it coming. <laughs> and then he just <laughs> 21 point run it was the stuff of greatness bro so like just at this point they can't say that about him he's totally free mentally to just be the best player he can be as win as much as he can which is dangerous for the rest of the league so yeah again if you pick Mahomes to be like if he's the first quarterback taken I totally get that yeah look I mean good for Mahomes for winning that title and getting that you know proverbial thing off his shoulders or whatever to to not have not have that Kenny win the big one hanging over him but even better for us in the media Therese like that we don't have to do that bullshit like we don't have to be like is he even really that good because he's never won a title no he got that out of the way we appreciate that Patrick we appreciate you getting that out of the way early all right let's jump to our next team here that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I'm really excited to get your thoughts on this team as a whole I wrote a piece about the Bucs a couple of months ago now it feels like thousands years ago as everything does here in 2020 but wrote a piece about how i think bruce arians can adjust to tom brady a quarterback who doesn't traditionally fit the mold of the arians quarterback but i come away thinking like i don't care about the whole quote lack of continuity here you know because continuity is like the big Mm -hmm. buzzword here in 2020 i'm actually not too scared about the continuity factor about some of these guys coalescing i think that 
I think that Ari- just Arians just being kind of giving Tom Brady the go ahead to go get Gronkowski and sort of facilitate that yeah. trade. I think that showed enough that he was going to take sort of a backseat to Brady here. But that's not the thing that scares me the most. The thing that scares me the most, Therese, is the pass protection. Can they protect mm-hmm. Tom Brady enough? Because I think if Brady's protected, he can get the ball to Mike Evans. He can get the ball to these tight ends and Chris Godwin, the all-star slot receiver there. But last year when Brady was under pressure per Sports Info Solution, had a 34.9% catchable pass rate. That was dead last among guys to start eight-plus games last year. That's my biggest concern. I don't care so much about the lack of continuity. I think if they can't protect Brady, this thing is all over. But here's the thing. I'm in on the Bucs. I think the Bucs are winning double-digit games. Oh, all right. Now, I don't think they're going to win the division. Like, I think the Saints will, but I think the Bucs are winning 10 games. And I'll tell you why. Number one, you know, when it comes to players like this, like Brady, you never bet against these guys because they take everything as slights. And, like, please know he wants to win um, <laughs> to prove he can do it without Belichick, oh, right? Yeah. So there's that. Like, you know he's going to be in tremendous shape. You know he's going to be ready. There's also this, right? Bruce Aarons made a lot about, Hey, look, it's a lot easier for one guy to learn the offense than the whole offense to learn one guy's you know, offense. But that was related to the verbiage. Tom Brady's going to learn Bruce Arians' verbiage. But at the end of the day, he's the quarterback. This thing's going to be adjusted to what he likes right. to do. So what do they like to do? They're going to run the football, okay? Look, as a runner, Ronald Jones really flashed last year just as a pure runner. Now, he had his workload eaten into because his pass protection is a little shaky, right? But as a runner, he can run the football. And they drafted Keyshawn Vaughn, who's kind of a do-it-all threat. I, I like him as a guy who can kind of work in there. And Dare Ogonbowale is a guy who's a pass protection guy, right? My point is they've kind of got different pieces here to put around him. Not unlike in New England where you had James White as a pass catching back and you had the runner and Sony Michelle. Like you kind of had running backs that could do different things because like, let's face it, in New England the last few years, that was a ground and pound offense that did play action, controlled the clock with the short passing game. And I, I kind of feel like to a certain degree, we're going to see more of that from the Bucks this year because that's what Brady is comfortable with. Now, at the end of the day, Bruce Arians is still a guy who believes in chucking it downfield. It's a vertical offense. Mm-hmm. And they got the receivers to go vertical. So Brady will be going deep more this year than he has in the past. He's got the receivers to do it. And I'm sure he wants to prove people he's still got the arm to throw that ball. Um, but at the end of the day, I think they've got the pieces in place. Long story short, they got a piece in place to run a reasonable impression of the best version of the Patriots offense the last three years where you run the football, you control the clock, um, and and then you take your shots when needed. And I think if you have an offense like that, you kind of negate whatever pass protection concerns you have because you are controlling the ball and you are using play action. And by the way, I actually think their offensive line is okay. Um, The left to center part of it, it was Smith, Marpit and Jensen, those, those guys, guys are played good. pretty well at times last year. And also, I'm really, really high on Tristan Wirth. Yeah, I think he's going to be a great football player. So they're going to be fine, man. I, I'm, I'm high on the Bucks' offense. And I, I think with all the weapons they have, I, I'd bet on them to produce. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the right tackle, the rookie there is the key. Like in an offseason where I think rookies Agreed. could be on a bit of a slower burn, uh, some of them, although on our last po- or my last podcast with Greg Jennings, he was kind of selling on that theory, which I thought was interesting. If people didn't listen to that interview, go back and check out what uh, Greg had to say on that particular topic. I thought that was a fascinating point. But like if he's 
coming in on a slow burn, that's going to be a problem. But if he's ready to go right away, and he's a good prospect, I agree with you, then he's going to be a key to this offense hitting their ceiling there. I'm glad you brought up Ronald Jones because, you know, my fantasy strategy with running backs is usually pretty simple. Want the guys tethered Mm -hmm. to the good offenses, right? Like, especially if I'm not paying a premium ADP on them, then I'm definitely want these guys, right? And Ronald Jones is still going in a range, especially with people were initially worried about Keyshawn Vaughn. Then Vaughn, you know, started on the COVID list, kind of started slow a little bit. Then they signed LaShawn McCoy. That's still keeping Mm -hmm. his ADP in in a, in a pretty attractive range. But I got to tell you what, Therese, I have Jones projected for over 900 rushing yards, six touchdowns, Mm -hmm. 34 catches. That's going to put you in that like mid range RB two sort of territory. He's a guy that I didn't think I'd be in on, but he's up there in terms of my tiers that are going to come out this week. Couple things. He's also very young. Yeah, he's just twenty three years old this year, right? So you know, he when you're a twenty one year old rookie, you're typically gonna stink. You're you're gonna stink. Like that's just how the football is, unless you're Tristan Wirfs, who's physically gifted. Like, and one more thing about Wirfs, by the way, I don't think we should underestimate underestimate how much two tight ends the Bucks are probably gonna end up using. I wanted to ask about that. Right, I think they're gonna use it at a higher clip. I think they're gonna use it at a higher clip than last year because, quite frankly, they got three really good ones and Bray, Howard, and Gronk. So they can really kind of rotate that in. We know Brady's had success with that two tight end set, and that that protects the tackles a little bit. So you've got that part of it. But no, like Jones, I'm in on that guy. He was a member of my all-juice team a few years ago. Upright runner, right? But he's still really young, so the injury concerns that have come down the line. Right now, he's primed to really kind of thrive. He's also There's also this. Never bet against a guy basically in a contract year. And now that he's entering year three, he's getting the kind of money time here, mm-hmm. right? Like he, he got two more years left on his deal, including this one. But you kind of want to start showing right now if you want to end up getting paid. So I'm telling you, man, when guys, when the money starts coming around and they're as young as Ronald Jones, it, it's not outrageous to expect the production that you just laid out for him. I, I'm high on him, and I, I think he's going to have a nice, productive year. Yeah, I, I'm definitely uh, climbing up on Ronald Jones here, too. Now, you brought up the two tight ends, and that was the next thing I wanted to kind of pick your brain on with this team in particular, because Peter King came out with a piece that kind of said that maybe Gronk could be sort of third in snaps here. Cameron Brait yes. might be ahead of him. He expects yep. O.J. Howard to play the most snaps. You know, number one, I mean, that is, it's 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 guessing from, from I mean, definitely an educator guess uh, I'm sure if Peter King is saying it but you know that's not to say it's, it's set in stone Gronk's gonna be third in snaps it's also like he could be third in snaps and be first in fantasy points that wouldn't surprise anybody based on where they're probably gonna use that. him but I did uh, our, our fearless producer Sully sent this over today uh, from Mike Giardi from the NFL Network saying is Gronk in shape question mark Arian says he's probably <laughs> in New England shape right now but he's not in Florida shape the, the heat is kicking his butt pretty good. It's different, man. That said, someone who would know tells me Gronk is running as well as he has in, quote, years. So I, I think that's just an interesting thing to bring up because I'll tell you what, man. Yeah, Florida heat is different. Uh, East Coast yeah. uh, heat it, it, with the humidity is different. Number one, that is totally a true statement. But what do you think about this tight end group? Because I've started to, I mean, if if you they are going to play that many two tight end sets, I think OJ Howard could be kind of like a sneaky post hype sleeper guy here too. Yeah, I, I like I like Howard out of this group. Again, playing for money right now. Okay. Uh, oh yeah. Um, contract year for OJ Howard. He's only 26. Like this is it for him. Like he's got to play. He's got to. He's got to show it. Right. 
He's also really gifted, man. Oh, like, yeah. When you go in the first round as a tight end, like, you're a talented guy. And now he's got a quarterback that likes to throw to the tight end. Like, he's young. He's in his prime. He should get the football. By the way, Cameron Bray, really good receiving tight end. Those guys are going to play. Gronk has a history of injuries. And the most important thing for the Buccaneers is to get him to January. That's all. Which means, in my opinion, you use him on third downs. You use him in the red zone, especially early in the season. You use him in clutch situations. There's no need for Gronk to have a heavy workload, especially early in the year, because they're so tight. They're so deep at this position. So that's just where I'm at on it. I'm sure he'll get competitive and want to play. But if you're the Bucks, the most important thing is that he's ready for January. I, I like what you said about how it could be totally possible he is third on snaps among the tight ends and leads the team at fantasy points because there is real chance he's like a red zone weapon for these guys. We know how good he is there. But... You know, at the end of the day, I kind of feel more comfortable going with, like, who I think is going to play the most yeah, for sure. in a productive offense. And I guess that would lead me to Howard. But, you know, um, especially later in the season, as we start ramping up and getting to January, Gronk's workload will go up. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, I was in a draft, uh, the Apex Writers League, which is an annual draft with a bunch of you know, fantasy bros like Evan Silva, JJ Zacharies and Rich Rebar, heavy hitters in the industry. I took OJ Howard in the 18th round, man. And, uh, you know, at that point, you're just kind of playing wow. with house money. So last thing on the Bucks before we move to our final team here, you know, Therese, if we're talking about these tight ends playing a lot, we're talking about Ronald Jones having a big year. Does that make you kind of shy away a little bit from guys like Godwin hitting their ceiling, Evans hitting their ceiling? These guys are going 23 and 28 overall in ADP uh, of Yahoo drafts. Do you kind of do you kind mm-hmm. of tend to back away from those guys hitting a statistical ceiling or is it all systems go here in Tampa for you? No, I, I feel like it, it, Bruce Arians is smart enough to understand it's about Jimmy's and Joe's, not X's and O's. So when you get into critical parts of games, you start thinking about getting the ball to players, not drawing up specific plays, right? Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, a Godwin and Evans will get get the ball. They're going to get the ball. And they can devise ways to get them the ball in ways Brady feels most comfortable with, whether it's slants or drags or stops or curls or whatever. Like, they'll, they will win on whatever routes they need that Tom needs them to win on. They're going to get these guys the football because they're really difficult to stop. I personally wouldn't have any concerns drafting those guys early. As we relate to these tight ends, I would do what you did, which is OJ Howard in the 18th is a great value. Yeah. Like that's a great value. That, you know, like that, you're laughing about it because it's true. Like that's <laughs> yeah. really good value. But the other guys are gonna get the football more. They they just are. And that's just how that's gonna go. But I I do think this Bucks offense is gonna be really strong this year. And I do think that they're gonna have a season where they win 10 games. I'm excited about this Bucks offense. Now, the more we're talking about it, hopefully we get to see them here uh, pretty soon in the next couple of weeks. So last team we're talking about today, the team with the reigning MVP, the guy who was number one on the NFL's top 100 list, Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens. And look, let's just get right to it. I don't care about, you know, statistical regression in this offense. And let's be real, Therese, it is coming. Like, number one, they're not going to run the ball as proficiently or probably as often mm-hmm. as they did last year. That was a historic rushing offense. We haven't seen, what was it, like the 1970-something Patriots haven't run to the degree that the Baltimore Ravens yeah. did last year. We're probably not going to see that again. We're probably not going to see Lamar Jackson throw touchdowns at the rate he did last year. Probably going to see his mm-hmm. passer rating dip. 
But I also don't really care because I think there's a lot of new and exciting things going on in this offense, highlighted by Marquise Brown probably being healthy for 16 games. We know that this regression is coming. Great. I also find myself just really not caring about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's still going to be a really strong offense. That's that's the correct way to look at it. Here's the deal. Like, they're going to miss Marshall Yonder. Yeah. Like Marshall Yonder is point. a Hall of Fame guard. I can tell you that as a Hall of Fame voter. Like, I'm going to be going <laughs> He is going into the Hall of Fame. But there's also this. I'm also a big college football fan. I watch a lot of Michigan. Ben Bredesen's a good player. I'm not saying he's going to be good this year, but... The fact that they would draft him in the fourth round, the fact they took Tyree Phillips in the third round, like they, dude, this team understands where his bread is buttered. They're going to run the football just like they always did. Now, will it be as productive as last year? Probably not because they're going to miss Marshall Yonda and also because these defensive coordinators have had all year to attack this. They're not going to be able to run the ball the same way. It will still be effective because they'll be able to outman and outflank teams on a pure talent basis. Ben Powers, who's probably going to step in as the guard, is a guy who actually played pretty well in very limited snaps last year. So I, I still like this offense. I, I think I think they're going to run the football. It won't be like historic and dominant like last year because defensive coordinators have been studying them all offseason. But they're going to run the football. Lamar's going to have a good year. Mark Andrews is going to have a good year, right? Like this is all going to work for them. But the point is, I don't have an issue. Dra- I wouldn't have an issue drafting a lot of those pieces that were good last year. Just make sure you don't overdraft them because – you can't count on them to build on those stats the same way, but they'll be close. Cause I think looking from a tap from a top down basis, when I look at this offense and I actually, I look at this team, this is one of the most talented teams. in football. Oh yeah. They're right there with the chiefs. They're right there with the same, like this is a very talented team. And at the end of the day, teams that win put up fantasy stats. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Ravens in general, just like chiefs are safe bets. Just make sure you don't go crazy thinking that you're going to expect these guys to reach the exact numbers they did last year. But I do think they can get close. I think that everything that we're kind of buying in this 2020 season, the weird uh, COVID adjusted offseason, what things are going to look like in season yes. with, you know, we're, we're buying team stability. We're buying good quarterbacks. We're buying good defenses. The Ravens have and good coaching like the Ravens have all of that right yes. there. You know, I think they have all the ingredients to be one of the best teams in football. Let's parse out some of the skill position players here real quick. Number one, let's start in the backfield because in my rankings, my running back tiers are going to come out this week. My cheat sheet is already out there. I essentially have like Mark Ingram running back 31 and J.K. Dobbins running back 32, which really tells you I don't know what the hell I'm doing at the position. My my gut kind of tells me and I could be just totally wrong about this, that if you're looking for early production you go Mark Ingram. If you're looking for season-long yes. upside, you go Dobbins. What do you say about that? J.K. Dobbins is an all-juice running back. For oh, me, let's right? go. So I believe in J.K. I believe in J.K. Dobbins long-term. I think by the end of the year, he'll have a, a healthy role. Um, he's a special back. But Mark Ingram is also the reliable guy. Like he's, he's a relay. Know what he is. He knows the offense. He's got Lamar's back. He's a really good running back. But, you know, 500 snaps last year, man. There's room for another guy to carve out a role. Gus Edwards was good last year, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so, crazy. I mean, it, look, I think this is a committee. Again, it, they're going to run the football. They're going to run it effectively. It's okay having guys in a committee. Just make sure that you're smart about when you play them and, and when you draft them. I feel like I would take J.K. Dobbins if I was really, really happy with my top few backs. If, I was, if I'm like, you know what? I can wait on this guy. I don't necessarily have to get off to like, if, if I need the immediate 
upside, like I'm going Ingram. But if, if I'm happy with like my first back, especially, I think by the end of the year, Dobbins has a chance to be a really good player in this offense because he's a strong downhill runner with tremendous football character that fits into that building and that offense really, really well. And one of the most prolific shotgun runners in college last year, and this is a shotgun-based uh, offense here too, especially with the play action that they run. So yeah, I think Dobbins is a great fit. You said it perfectly. Like If you go running back heavy early in your draft, then maybe you consider Dobbins. If you've taken more wide receivers or a tight end like George Kittle or Travis you Kelsey, then Ingram. yeah, I think you're yeah. looking at Ingram because you need those points right away. And then you can start thinking about building upside guys on your bench for later in the season. Correct. Last question here about the receivers, because we know Mark Andrews is yeah. going to be one of the most productive tight ends uh, in fantasy in the NFL. I've got him projected yes. for over a thousand yards. If he stays healthy this year as their leading receiver, where do you at with Marquise Brown? Cause I got to tell you, he's one of my re- favorite receivers from last year's draft class, yeah. a star studded 2019 class. Like we can't talk yeah. enough about how good that receiver class is. So many up and coming studs from that group. <laughs> great, great class. class. Yeah. Marquise Brown. I think I have him wide. Rec- I have him projected. This is key. I haven't projected as wide receiver 33, but I have him ranked at wide receiver 29 meaning I, I, i'm telling you that there's you know a better ceiling there than the initial projections uh kind of come out where are you at with marquise brown right now and then subsequently if they don't sign des bryant which apparently they're working him out uh i, I don't think much of where des is at at this point are there any other guys <laughs> like miles boykin or you know the rookie they drafted this year uh that you're kind of in on from a secondary perspective Okay, so the rookies, I think it's going to be a little hard to play early just because, like, rookie receivers, it's kind of hard to step in and play sometimes because you need to learn side adjustments. Um, Again, just shows about that last year's class, how good that was because those guys were good right right away. Right, right, Which, which, which really speaks to how good Marquise Brown really is. And all juice receiver, by the way. I love Hollywood. By the way, him and Lamar Jackson, I talked to Lamar this offseason. Those guys were throwing together. So Marquise Hollywood's 23 years old. Like, it, the, it's, it's here. Like, he's trending upward. No hesitation taking Hollywood Brown because at the end of the day, yes, Mark Andrews is going to get a lot of targets. I mean, Nick Boyle played 800 snaps last year. But Marquise Brown does one thing. No other receiver on this roster has really established they can do consistently, which is win deep. Mm-hmm. And in today's NFL, you better make sure you have at least one receiver that defenses have to deal with, which means you got to throw that guy to football down the field to loosen them up. The targets down the field will come for Hollywood Brown. I believe Lamar Jackson is good enough that he's going to collect connect on even more of those this year. I think he's going to take a step up passing the football, even if the stats don't always back it up holistically. I love Hollywood Brown. I'd have zero concerns taking him high. And I think he's going to be a really good player. And even though Mark Andrews is Lamar's security blanket, Hollywood's going to be his big play guy again. And he's going to be even better this year. Love Hollywood Brown. Yeah, he's going to be healthy this year. So we're we're totally flying. Marquise Brown is a guy that I don't want to leave a draft without taking him because I'm just that excited about him. And and it comes back to the original point. I don't care about the incoming statistical regression because there are guys like Brown who could raise the ceiling another level in this offense. It's a very exciting uh, group to follow. Three exciting teams we talked about uh, here, Therese. And I really appreciate you spending some time with me. What do you got uh, coming up in terms of your work right now? You know, we, we know about the podcast with you and Charles. You writing any bangers uh, for the website? What's up? What's up in your world right now? 
Yeah, I'm doing my best to write to do a virtual camp tour. So yeah, um, right. That's usually your big from, thing, man. You're you're out there at all these camps, and this is this yeah. is where we're at now. So you know, I've I've talked to some people virtually already. Um, I got some stuff coming, man. From a fantasy perspective, they should be interesting. Adam Thielen, I caught up with him. Mm. That'll be coming down the pike here. I think he's a sneaky comeback player of the year guy too. I think he's, I think he's in really good shape. I'm, I think Thielen has a chance to be good this year. And also Ben Roethlisberger, man, I'm high on the Steelers. I think they're going to make the playoffs. Um, and I think if Ben has a, like a bounce back year, that team is ready to like contend to at least make it life difficult for Baltimore, Kansas City. Um, the defense is really strong. The receivers are going to be better. I've heard great things. Great things internally about Deontay Johnson, oh, the slot receiver. Like Deontay Johnson is a stud. I will be drafting him. So, I, but but I think. And by the way, Roethlisberger's in great shape. And talking to people in there, you know, he's not like shaking his arm like it hurts, like he had been for years. Like things are trending up with Pittsburgh. And if Roethlisberger, and I think he's motivated. If he delivers on that motivation. This is a team that can win 10 games. I think Baltimore's winning the division, but I think I think Pittsburgh's going to make the playoffs. They are primed to be a little better than people think. You know what, Therese? Uh, we have the Steelers as one of these uh, other care-don't-care teams in a couple of weeks. We might have you come back and talk about the Steelers for that one because, man, I am I am so high on Deontay Johnson, too. That is one of my big breakout guys this year. So we might have to have you come back and talk yeah. about that one for like 10 minutes with me uh, at a later date. But appreciate you that. stopping by this time, man. Therese is one of the best. Make sure you're keeping up with all of his work. Best way to do that is follow him on Twitter at Therese Paler and make sure you're subscribed to the Yahoo NFL podcast with him and Charles. And we have other podcasts here at Yahoo Sports for you to check out. The Yahoo Fantasy Baseball podcast with Scott Pianowski, where I'm sure Scott has a lot of thoughts on you know how wrong it is to hit grand slams uh, when you're uh, <laughs> having a big lead anyways. Give me a freaking break, it's baseball. Ridiculous. Come back to us. Just the worst. I can't imagine why they can't get people you know my age and younger invested in the sport it's really hard to say and check out the yahoo sports college football podcast with dan wetzel pete thamel and our friend pat 40 from si with one of the best and most handsome producers uh in the entire industry if you ask me and make sure you follow us on twitter at yahoo fantasy i'm at matt Harmon underscore byb tomorrow dalton del don is joined by ben baldwin for the podcast and i'm sure there's going to be a lot of heavy stats there for you guys to check it out I'm Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts and be sure to follow us on social media at Skullduggery Pod.